Excuse me. Could you tell me how to get to the medical school? I'm supposed to be doing a lecture in about 20 minutes, and my driver's a bit lost. You go straight ahead, and uh, you make a left over the bridge. That's a lovely accent you have. New Jersey? Austria. Austria? <laughs> well then, <laughs> good day, mate. <laughs> Let's put another shrimp on the barbie. Let's not. And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring... Mr. Stone Gossip! Fucking camera in the jump. Welcome to the Live on Four Legs Pearl Jam podcast experience. You're listening in the 13th episode. This is right about the time where, in your first season, you're, at least for TV shows, they, they do about 12 to 13 episodes. I think 13 was always the standard. But uh, this is kind of where, I don't know, plot lines are starting to come together. and Right. Or, and you get excited for season two and you want yeah, to tune in for season two. Yeah, or maybe the show is starting to make a little bit more sense. Maybe our show is starting to make a little bit more sense. Is it? I have no idea. I hope so. I mean, I think so. I think I think we've hit a stride. Sure. Here. Okay. All right. You know what? It makes sense to me. You're right. It makes sense to me. We're talking about Pearl Jam. We're talking about live Pearl Jam. And those things do correlate with each other, so <laughs> it makes sense. <sighs> Um, that's all we need, right? <laughs> yeah, that, at least at least we need it. If anybody else needs it, then that's fine. We got some if you need it. <laughs> it oh, but um, yeah. Um. So anyway, we are venturing our first show down under to Australia, and I don't want to be that guy that just makes these references to the place that that we're covering because I think that's kind of lame and cheesy. So. I guess I shouldn't be that guy and splice in some men at work right here. So anyway, this this was uh, 1995, and it was the first time that Pearl Jam ventured down under, and uh, it got a very popular response from talking to some people. This is uh, one of our fans, our listeners from Australia. His name is Stephen. Uh, he wrote in to us. And he was talking about an experience that he had in the States. And I was thinking to myself, I'm like, you know what? At some point, I really, early on, I would like to hit Australia. Because it's a very, it's an important place in, you know, in Pearl Jam lore. Uh, 
they they go there, you know, they try to go there enough, and, and you know, if you believe the rumors, they're going to go there next year, but um, it's just different down there. It's so different, the crowd and the vibe, and anywhere you go, it's going to be it's going to be a change of pace. So I, I figured let's let's cover it, let's listen to it, and uh, this one's important because this one is in Melbourne. Uh, I believe in they say in Australia they say not Melbourne but Melbourne, where they like barely say the R. They say Melbourne, something like that. Interesting. I have no idea, but uh, this is you might know this one. Uh, this isn't just some random Australian show. This was a show that was used for the Rarefied and Live album, which was released shortly afterwards, and uh, just like the Atlanta show. This was broadcast on the radio on uh, JJJ Radio. Uh, not something I know much about, but it sounds like an Australian thing, and uh, that's according to our good old archives at Five Horizons there. I wonder how long it took them to come up with the name of that radio station. Hmm. Let's say my, my name is Jermaine, and, and that's that's James. And that's Jonathan. Jermaine, James, Jonathan. Okay, <laughs> let's put together a radio station, eh? I'm fully convinced that is actually the history of the name. <laughs> <laughs> you might be right. But what, yeah. what's what's weird is that um, you get so used to here in the good old states that uh, all the call letters for the East Coast is... Uh, starts with a W, and all the call letters for the West Coast starts with a K. So, to see a radio station named JJJ, right? Just <laughs> it, it, it's so weird, it's so weird. So, anyway, uh, yeah, we're gonna get we're gonna like dive right into the show. Uh, we'll talk about one little thing before we do. I just want to thank the people that took the time to buy our Christmas sweaters and. Uh, we really do appreciate you going out there and, and supporting the crew. Um, I'm going to have a couple more ordered and do some giveaways. And for anybody else that wants to uh, donate, we'll be able to, you know, we'll be able to sell that for uh, a couple extras that we have available. But we want to do some giveaways for the holidays as well. So I think that's, uh, that'll be fun. And um, expect shipping to be... Oh, about a week before Christmas, because these things, what happened is, what happens here is that we have, uh, after the store finishes, we start our printing process and yard process, and that's where it all develops. It's not like a regular store where you go and you buy and, you know, uh, you, you get it within a week or two weeks or something like that. There's a little bit more of a process. I wish it was a little different, but this is this is what I do for a living. So you know, it, it's it's easy on us. It's got our our fine touch and love put into it. Sure does. Kind of comes directly from us. Yeah. So we'll have extras left over, and we'll do some giveaways. We'll do some holiday stuff, and we thank you all for uh, putting in your time and donating to uh, Boston Children's Hospital charity that we're doing the toy drive and. We will let you know what day the toy drive is going to be so we can do a live video and have you guys participate in it. And I think that's 
going to be a lot of fun. But um, we're still accepting donations for anybody that's interested. Uh, it can be a Patreon donation. And, you know, look, we're not looking for much. We're any little bit that you can offer will be, you know, we're fine. That's fine with us. We are very appreciative of it. And, you know, we just want to give back for the holiday season. And, and uh, we thank you for helping us out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, patreon.com slash live on four legs. We're still in the midst of trying to change our Patreon uh, pledges and rules and all that. And it, it, it's still a mess and they haven't gotten back to us yet. And that's really frustrating, but we're figuring it out. So hold on, hold on, hold on tight. We need to get some sponsors on this show and they, so they could just handle it all for us, right? <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> that would be nice. All right. Um, I say that we dig in. Yeah. Um, Right away, right away, right away. And Rarified and Live started off with the same song that we've been covering for the last three weeks in a row. Three or four weeks. I'm sick of these already. But here's the thing. I love this version, and I love it so much that I don't want to play it. So uh, it's no secret that if you're going to a Pearl Jam show, probably like 25 to 30% of the time, they're going to open with this. And that's what they do here. So here's release. This is a really good version for it being an early version. Uh, it sounds more like the way that we expect the pl them to play it today. It, it flows so beautifully. Um, I always felt like it's kind of a song where uh, the oceans have a perfect wave balance where, you know, the, the tide is coming in just at the right pace and just ever so s slowly and it's not dragging, but it's also not a big wave either. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, th I thought this was good. It doesn't drag. Uh, it's not too fast. It's a good opener. Sounds good. It was better than Mexico City's last week, which is crazy. It was. Nowadays, I think the recent version of Release Live 
is a lot better than the older version, but I, I was pro proven a little wrong on, on this one. This one was just fantastic. I think it's has gotten better as the years have gone on. So, But we, we now have seen the progression just from a few episodes ago, uh, how much better it sounds already. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing. Here's my one thing. It's, it's a minor flaw that Ed is still trying to get over at this point. And, and I think this is a theme for the show that he's very raspy and he's still, this is an angry show for him. Uh, if you listen to it, uh, he needs to just start singing at this point. Uh, and he's going to find it at some point, but this is at, the, at this point, he's still just like angry, raspy, uh, trying to be, that instead of just trying to be a singer and, and right. it will it will form into place it will mature at some point but um he, he the gimmick is showing yeah and it, it's going to come into play a, a few more times in this show as well yeah yeah we'll we'll get to that but um I, again release here better than uh most of the other releases that we've covered in the last couple of weeks and you know we're gonna cover the song about 800 more times so you know just just hang with us and sometimes we'll have something to say about it sometimes we won't so you know this this time was a very very positive version of it uh and i believe for well the second week in a row but uh the week before that we had release even flow then last exit that was san jose but now we have released Last Exit for the second week in a row. This is, you know, an often combo for this time. I believe Last Exit was played almost every show in 1995. Uh, you know, a pinnacle song off of Vitalogy. It's recognizable immediately because it's the, the lead-off song. Um, they like to get right into it. They, they still like doing a slow song to start off with to get everyone in the mood. And then um, I like Last Exit here. I like that they they shoot right into the show, which you could still get today, or it'll take them a little while to get there. Um, so I, I liked how they didn't really keep it slow for too long back then. No. Uh... They were still young, though, and the crowds were young, and the crowds were very energetic, too. So it's kind of a best of both worlds on these shows, where it's a nice slow start, and then it's a nice you know, uh, quick transition right in. This show doesn't have a lot of slow moments, and I'll get to that later in another spot where uh, nowadays you usually will see a slow moment. It has. Yeah, I was going to get to uh, also the slow moments, at, which has to do with construction of the set. So we we might we might both touch on the same thing too. Okay. Yeah. Good. Um, again, super raspy here. Uh, he's really trying to scream instead of trying to sing, and uh, I, I think that's just the tone of the time period. And it, it does have the feel, feel of vitality at this point. I did like it here though. I thought it fit for the most part because I don't think it sounded bad because sometimes it'll sound bad. I thought this was at least appropriate. I thought most of what, what he did with uh, the raspy voice here sounded appropriate. And I, I don't know if it was, purposeful or not or if he was just losing a voice or and had to try something different but yeah it, you if, know if it sounds good i'm i'm all for it yeah uh 
look, I'm going to say this about a million times tonight, except for like one song. Uh, but the band sounds so tight already. The band is point. really tight. Yeah. And, uh, again, your boy Jack is very prominent in a lot of these tracks. Yeah. I'm going to bring up Jack a couple times here. Uh, it's actually a little bit of a callback from, um, uh, 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 San Jose that we had talked about. So, uh, yeah, we'll get to it. Spin the black circle number three. And I think it's great, great spot to hear it in. You do not hear it there nowadays love the spot and it sounds it sounds really good too i like it early and if it sounds this good early then they should do it early all the time i think it's i think it, it works really well here sure and and you know i think it just kind of falls victim of you know their their dis- discography now and how many songs that they do have and, right. and what they know works in certain spots and think work in certain spots and spin the black circle it usually is like a late in the set yeah, maybe encore kind of song now, but um, for here, for a time where you're still promoting your new album, uh, about who was it like three or four months after it debuted? I want to say December. Vitality. I really got to get on that because we we got to post some social media stuff. Vitality's either um, like around Christmas. I thought it was November or December. Yeah, that's 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 got to be right. I will check in two seconds, but um, the energy is incredibly high. The one little thing is that I felt like you couldn't really hear Mike as much as he wanted to. Yeah, I'm going to bring Mike up as well a few times in this show. Um, I felt like Mike and Stone switched roles a bit uh, compared to a few of the other shows that we've done. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that as we go down the set. But like you said, with formulas and what they do nowadays with what works, what openers what works in the middle of the set what works uh in encores maybe they should go back and maybe look at some of their history and some of their older sets because spin the black circle in number three spot here works really well and it sounds really good so it hypes up the crowd Absolutely. it hypes up the crowd and and it's still early on to where he could really give it his all and yeah i you know i know they don't have as much material now to work with with something like an opening but they do have a lot now and and now they could switch a lot of stuff around if they wanted to so maybe go back and look at this check out spin the black circle in number three uh, i'm a big fan of it i agree i agree and if eddie wants to to waste the voice this early then that's okay um, or maybe it'll warm them up really well i don't know who knows this is true this is very true uh november 22nd so like right in the middle of when thanksgiving was going on and and just a lot of stuff going on that week so Unfortunately, we didn't get to celebrate it uh, as much as we wanted to, but Vitalogy's release was the 22nd of November. So, um, All right, here we have Tremor Christ, and it seems like this is a perennial number four, number five spa- song for most of this year. Uh, this is really the year where they played it you know, in full rotation. Uh, and then later, later on in later years, it's, it's, it's only been played under, under time. So that's how, you know, uh, it really doesn't hold up as much later years. It's become a deep, a deep rare track and everything like that. But I dig it for this era, you know, yeah, it, it, that's a shame because it sounds really good here too. These first four songs, I, I really don't have anything to say about, and I, I really like the order. 
for one, two, three, four here. And I think Tremor Christ is a, a perfect mix between not cool down, but it's it's not this high energy song, but it's it, it has energy to it and, it. and it works well here after Spin the Black Circle. It's a bit of a way for him to save his voice a little bit. He gets up in the register a little bit, but it's not a straining, screaming type rocking song. Uh, and I think it fits really well. And I think they played it really well, too. I agree. And I think that um, hearing a number four, or number five in 1995 is OK. And I think it works. But right. doing it nowadays in that spot, I think it's a little too soon. Uh, I do like it better around seven or eight. I, I like it first set for the most part, even though the one time I've seen it has been in an encore. But I would like to see it early because it, it sounds good early. But I think as you kind of go through a first set and they hit you with the song like Tremor Christ, it's it's a big surprise because yes. it might take the place of another cool down song that maybe you've heard a million times. And then they come out with tremor Christ mid set. That's, that's a shocker. That's, that's a, that's a treat. Right. And you know, uh, one last final note on it. The ending sound really, really, really good. Yeah. Uh, and the band is just tight. Four songs in and they're just tight. You know, this is, uh, for the rarefied and live, this is coming out as an album. And, hundred yep, percent. And it's one of the most popular bootlegs of all time. Um, and really, they have to be on top of their game. And I really thought for, for this time period, they, you're not going to get much better than, than one like this. So right. uh, after the tremor, Ed says that they are on the radio tonight. So if people were there and supposed to stay at a friend's house, like, you know, I guess that old... They wouldn't say that nowadays because everybody's 40 that goes to their shows. But he says something about if, if people are there and supposed to stay at a friend's house lying to their parents, don't get in trouble. Don't, get your, don't somebody... get your voice on the radio or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he says, ah, fuck it, just get in trouble anyway. Yeah, total Eddie joke. Yeah. Um, all right. I wanted to play this one. Um, I think this is a little bit of a redemption from the last time that we heard it. Ugh. <sighs> Okay, let's play it and then. Yeah. I think it's a redemption. I don't, but let's let's uh, All play right. it. All right, fine.
What was that in the beginning? They do something kind of interesting in the beginning. I don't know if I don't know if someone started it in the wrong key and then fixed it. I I thought it was kind of cool. It, it sounds okay. It's familiar, so you know what song they're going into. Uh, but, but it's, it's a lot it, higher. But it's different. Uh, it's not the right key. It's not the right progression. Maybe it's a bit of a tease, like an intro. And I liked it. I thought even if it was a mistake, I thought it it worked as a as a you know as a as a bit of a of a teaser to it. But I'm, I'm sorry, man. He. He's he's doing it again. This corduroy I, I, is bad. He's doing what he did the the last time. I I I didn't like it. It's this, it's this raspy screaming in this song. And this song does not need that at all. And what happens when he does that is, when he stops, he goes completely flat, and it doesn't sound good. I, I have to get out of this era of corduroy because because I hate it so much. I I absolutely despise this era of corduroy live and i well again this is a song we talked about the last time it's just evolved so much it's and and, and i'm gonna and i'm gonna say it again this song is not about evolving he's he's singing it differently it's he's trying to be aggressive and it's he doesn't need to be but he's being aggressive towards every song this is his style at this point but that's fine but that's not how we recorded it and it sounds great recorded and and I just I have to get I have to get away from corduroy in the '90s. I I just can't do it anymore. It's just <laughs> I can't. Do, you know what I did like though. In the intro, Jack got his groove back. Jack got his groove back, which we talked about. Jack was uh, we thought he was a little, uh, like he he didn't really know what to do in the intro the last time we covered it with Jack on it. Oh right right right. Technically, since this is eight months after or uh, eight months before uh, the San Jose show. Right. Maybe he had the groove and then lost it. Maybe he lost it. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Um, I like this version. I don't care what you say. Uh, The raspiness feels like the time period thing. And then it just is nostalgic to me. That's fine. But when, when you sing raspy and you're, and you're flat and you're out of key and you're, you can't find your, your tone that, does not get a pass for me i i can't find any kind of uh beauty in that at all it's just you're flat that's it and and you're not singing it correctly find a raspy way to do it but do it well like in like in last exit sounded good he was on it had a point and it was enjoyable this he's got to get off this like i can't wait to i can't wait to get into where eddie sings this properly and it sounds amazing (laughs) what mike does at the end here is really cool it's different do you want? Do you want to give it a shot? Do you want to play it? Do you like it? Yeah, yeah, no, no, it was good. Mike, uh, I was watching the video of this. Mike is Mike's in a really weird. I don't know if he was just like stoned out of his mind or something, but he's just in, he's in a weird spot in this whole show. Stone is full of energy, and Mike is hanging out by his amps, and he's staying really quiet. Uh, his playing is great, but his attitude is. Right, but this is a very tough time for Mike. It's a tough time for Mike, and it really, really shows uh, mm. on stage. I will say though, his playing is very good. Yes, yes. Every, every, everybody had a good night on this show. I think this is. I'm sorry, I wrote down in corduroy. I was watching the, I was watching the video. Stone a few times. He goes full Les Claypool with like the one leg out dance. You know, ah. like it, it's hilarious. And Stone is like. He's like bleach blonde. It's weird. <laughs> I didn't. He goes full Les Claypool in the. I didn't get a chance to watch the video, so uh, I will. It's just okay. It's very blurry, and 
Alright. Uh, but that stone blonde is just... Hilarious. That's a sight, a sight to be seen. In, so. his, in his shorts, yeah. I thought he was wearing a baseball hat, because you can't tell on the video. I'm like, oh, he's got like a white hat on. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very much his head. Yeah. We're, uh, we're already six songs deep here. We go into Not For You, and, and it's all Vitalogy. And uh, unlike the San Jose show, which is still technically covering for... Uh, a Vitalogy tour, they only did a total of six Vitalogy songs and ten Versa songs, something like that. So this is, right off the bat, we're getting all Vitalogy here, and I, I love it. I love I love that, you know, they're they're just going with the new stuff and going what works, and, and at this point it seems like it's classic stuff, but right. then, you know, you have to have the album and know it. This Not For You is the progression, the tempo, everything about it, it is so 90s, but in such a good way. Yeah. I just, I, lo- I love how it sounds. It, it's, it reminds me of just good 90s rock. Now, did you notice that uh, they didn't creep into the song on this? It wasn't the dum, dum, dum. They started off with the drum beat. Did they? Uh, I don't yeah. remember that specific part. I mean, I listened to it twice, I think, but yeah awesome yeah just a little different and then um the song sort of ends abruptly which is a little weird uh but the transition's good um and the only other thing i have about the song is that he forgets the lyrics singing all that sacred uh comes from youth um he does he messes that up and he says small my table seats just two and he and he says it twice Right. And he has to sort of readjust himself twice. So I, I thought that was kind of funny. I don't know if he's just screwing up for the sake of screwing up or 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 what. But you know, not not a not a bad screw up. I'm not going to get on him for it. No, but, not at all. It sounded fine. Yeah. Uh, okay, Lucan is next, and I want to play it in full because it'll take about a minute. Because <laughs> why not? There's different lyrics, so let's see if you can tell what he's saying in this time because I was at least able to tell that they were different but that's about it Thirteenth time ever played, so the song is very much in its infancy, but it's quick and angry, and exactly how we like it. What do you got? Uh, I'm surprised you were able to pick out anything from it, <laughs> just because the, uh, you know, it's so mumbled. Of course, like Lucan should be, but uh, yeah, it's hey, it's exactly how Lucan should be. No problem with it at all. Yeah, I, I, I just, I, I, I noticed that 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 the actual lyrics that 
you know, we know and love or, you know, try to figure out. I, I think because it's Lucan, I didn't pay that much attention to it. I, I mainly just listened to it for uh, the pace and the tempo because it could go so incredibly fast. But I liked how this one sounded. I, this was faster than the San Jose version, but um, slower than our, you know, put put the put the time clock on them in 2018. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, animals up next. And how about this for animals placement? This is a, this is a weird place. Really weird place. But again, the tempo is really good. And the song is moving exactly how it should live. At least for me, this is a perfect performance of animal. I, I love it, uh, because it feels, it feels right. It feels exactly how it should. Weird place, though. Can't get over the placement of it. Yeah, I know you have a problem with the placement of the song, and I, 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 I'll be honest with you. I actually like it sandwiched in between Lucan and Glorified G. It I, just it doesn't feel like it's a tweener. It doesn't feel like it's a warm-up like it would if it was second or third. It, it feels like, um, you know, Lucan at this point, who the hell is going to know Lucan? It's just like fast mumbling, whatever. Yeah. But they go into Animal, and it's kind of you get back into the people kind of going crazy and, and and it's the needle and the thread kind of just going right through and fitting quite nicely into the next. That's how, that's how I see it. Yeah. They work well together. I, it's just a strange place for me. There are a few songs, as you know, and I'm going to get to one shortly that are very, yeah, they're very, uh, placement specific for me and I just can't get over them. <laughs> okay. All right then. Um, Glorified G, angry yeah. and raspy. I uh, I really disagree with you. I thought this was really nice and poppy. I thought it sounded awesome. Really? Yeah, I thought it was really fun. I thought he had rasp on it, but I don't think it was more than it normally is. I don't think he was more angry than usual. I thought the drums and 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 the performance was super poppy, super fun. I thought it sounded really good. I thought it was a really nice performance. Yeah. You know, we've been covering it so much that this is climbing to, you know, top two or three songs I need to hear live now. Also here, um, unlike the Atlanta and San Jose shows, which I was a little disappointed that we didn't get this part, uh, we get the I can steal your heart from your neck back, which I love that line. Uh, All right, daughter. I actually kind of like this version. I don't know why. Yep. Uh, This is another well-paced, good-tempo version, which has been a really uh, strong theme for me for this whole show, is uh, their their timing and their their performance are really on point here. And another thing about this daughter is it sounds really full. There's no lull there's no yes there's nothing there's nothing missing it's it's a really full performance it i listened i I remember i i I actually wrote down that note at a red light because uh i was listening to this in the car and i said i have to write this down that it sounds full because i had you know the stereo up in the car and it was filling up my whole car and i was like wow this is this is daughter this this is sounds really good yeah to me it didn't sound bland and i think daughter nowadays it just kind of sounds like all right, well, we got to play daughter, so okay. The last two daughters we've gotten, if we're guaranteed to get that kind of a, a full energetic performance 
uh, well well paced tempos every time we see them from now on. Daughter's going to be a song that I really start to look forward to. I'm not there yet, but I see what you mean. Um, we'll cover more 2000 shows, and I'm sure I'm not going to like Daughter in those 2000 shows, but we'll see. We do have a tag here, though. It's uh... stuff. Stuff and nonsense. Stuff and nonsense. This I I was not a fan of. This is where it it it, it drags a little bit for me. Now, do you know what they tagged the next night? I believe it was another Melbourne show. Uh, this is in Flinders Tennis Park or something like that. The next show was somewhere else. Okay. Uh, but they tag in quotes. They tag daughter with. Uh, stupid mop and oh. it's the only time that stupid mop has ever made some sort of appearance live interesting um but it's all uh all idea is saying is hey hey foxy mop man mama that's me oh, it's like okay. it's everything i want so much hey foxy mop man mama that's me and it's just it you know, it's a two-second thing, and it's just kind of... Yeah, that's like the I, Fenway I, Dirty Frank. It doesn't count. It doesn't count for anything. <laughs> and, and you look at most places, and it, it, it won't say that it counts yeah. as a play for the song. It's just a a small snippet tag, whatever. Uh, yeah. But it's there, and I it's guess it, it, it's, it exists. It's It happened. But, you know, I, I guess I wanted more from it, because... I, I went out and seeked it out. Uh, I was really interested to hear if they had ever done it in any capacity. And when I found out uh, where the boot was and I listened to it, I'm like, oh, this was a huge waste of time and disappointment. I thought that they would, like, <laughs> you know, play that. The whole, I, I forgot where I was reading this, but the whole basis of the song is is that uh, it's some kind of video about uh, insanity or psychosomatic uh, issues or something like that. That little girl talking the whole time is talking in the video. I'm not entirely sure. Does that sound right? Yeah, that sounds exactly what that could be about. I I think it is. I I just don't know how well I'm explaining it. Um, Probably as well as something for this song could be explained <laughs> right yeah it was it was basically a psychoanalysis video about i don't know a little girl that was going through some therapy problems and it was being used for a study or something like that but it, it is very strange and i never want to listen to it again that that we did this on uh the boston trip where we did the foxy mop uh stupid mop challenge and we listen to the whole 13 minutes or whatever, and you hear us on the live video. I think I totally blanked out as I was driving. Yeah. Yeah. I it, I can't can't do it anymore. Just even even the music surrounding it is just it's too not much. music. Too much. Uh, Ed talks. Don't don't hear a lot from Ed from this show, but you hear enough from him. So he says, there's a fine bunch of mutants that we got over here, and we're all mutants up here too. We've mutated as human beings. We're not connected to our roots anymore as human beings. We go to the grocery store and go to restaurants and don't kill our own food. 
And he says they have quite a nice island here. The original people on their island had their shit together. Just remember that. That's a weird, just a weird Eddie quote. He's just not personable at this point. No, no, not at all. And when he does talk in this show, which is what, maybe two or three times, it's so slow and long and, and pointless. He does just he just does not get to any kind of point. Yet he talks forever. No, and he's also not very social at this point. Anyway, he still no. hates crowds. He's really he's really just a performer. So that you know, take that in, into consideration. And uh, really, that, that that's what we have with Eddie: love and trust and the state of it. What do you got? I thought this was a great spot after daughter. I would have liked it if he didn't blabber on for a little bit. If it had gone right into it, would have sounded fantastic. Uh, and I thought it sounded good. Thought it, uh, good performance. Good spot. Um, I what I really love. I love the bridge because in the bridge, how they usually stop. They kind of stop, and Jeff is playing that little bass line. Uh, yep. Jack doesn't stop at all. Yeah, Jack he keeps he, going. He, he keeps it going. Just little things about Jack that just kind of make it different and make it kind of interesting to listen to. It's what makes all their drummers special, is that each one of them did a, something a little different that, that adds to the song. This is also a bit slower than, than the usual performance nowadays. Is yeah, I, but I, I, I like it this way. It's, it's a cool way of listening to it. But Yeah, it, it feels great. It feels great this way. They're not uh, rush. They're not rushing anything in this show. No, which which is funny because I feel like towards the end, which we'll get to at the end, um, we'll we'll get to it. Why go up next? And I really don't have many notes on why go. But again, this is Jack's take on it. This is one I I just I don't care from from, from Jack. I, oh, I like uh, I like really? Matt playing it better. Yeah, this, we talked about that the last time. Yeah, yeah, I, I do like Matt on it, but I I thought it sounded good. I I like Jack on it too. But this is the other one besides Animal. I still struggle with this song being mid-set. I really struggle with it here. It's a great performance. The crowd is into it. Crowd's having a great time. Shit spot, man. I don't like it here. I, I We do consider it the most versatile song in their catalog, but you do. I I ah. I think it has to be top or bottom. I hate these mid-set why goes. I can't stand it. Mid-set is weird. And here it's weird because I, I feel like everything is sort of paced the same or similar that well, it really here. doesn't matter where anything goes as much. Yeah, th- this is we're, this is actually the start. Glorified G into Daughter is the start of a bit of a construction problem I have. It gets so hot and cold, like song to song. You know, they've they've kind of figured out where to put cooldowns and how to how to keep sets moving for you know, but here it's like you know maybe they don't have as much material of course but they do have a lot of hits and a lot of singles and a lot of songs people really like to hear so i feel like they're getting them in but it's like up down up down up down and that comes into play with jeremy up next it's you know right glorify g daughter state why go jeremy you know it's like it's a little off balance but the performances are all very good so I can't really complain about it too much. Yeah, again, I mean, like, how many songs are they missing from a 26-song set? Like, sure. at, at best, 10. Uh, speaking of Jeremy, I'm really, really starting to love the older versions of it, and uh, this is the first one, I believe, that we're going to play in full. 
because I really like the intro version here is just Jeff just doing something completely different. And yeah. I, he's done it before, so it's not rare. But uh, I I want to hear it. And I've gotten to the point where I don't hate Jeremy Live that much anymore. So I really like it when Eddie used to skip over those chorus lines yes. in, in the beginning. Really cool. Yeah, so let's play it. Sure.
remember at the time that they're still feeding off a lot of popularity from Jeremy because uh, they definitely still are. Yeah. Music video wise, they don't have anything else. Uh, Jeremy is still the one that won music video awards. And uh, it's also the one they, they wanted to like forget about too, with the, with the changes MTV made. to the Right. Video. It's, it's at their time. It's turned into their legacy. Is this Jeremy video? And I feel like for someone like Eddie, that probably drove him fucking crazy too. I would say, I would say around this time that there was so much going on with the band, and I think himself personally, that uh, I, I'm surprised that they didn't just say "fuck this song" and not play it live anymore and just ditch it. Like I don't know. Um, Radiohead did with "Creep." Yeah, I was gonna say Par- Paramore just did with. Uh, that one song what was the first thing that came to my mind because they all thought it was about her and the relationship with somebody. And... They thought it was like sexist or something. I, I They were making a really, or like I anti-feminist. Don't know. I feel like a lot of people were, were really um, looking way too far into something that a 17 year old girl wrote to be yeah. poppy and catchy. Yeah. And I mean, come on, why don't you just, instead of, Instead of ripping her apart over their first single, why don't you like ask her about it like an adult? Right. So she could tell you, I was a 17-year-old and I wrote a song, like like Big Whoop, you know? Yeah, I think that the whole thing was about somebody cheating on her or something. I, I, I really don't care. I'm a Paramore fan. I think they're incredibly catchy. I like I like them a lot. How about, the, how about a better one for you? R.E.M. refuses, well, they, obviously not together anymore, but uh, for... I guess the last 10 or 15 years of their uh, live uh, existence, they refuse to play shiny, happy people. Do you know why? Who the hell wants to listen to shiny, happy people? I get into a mood sometimes where I'm just like, they're featured on Sesame street. And they did it as shiny, happy monsters. And apparently they did like nine or 10 or 15 takes of it. And Michael Stipe just got so aggravated and bought by it that he said, I, I hate this song. I, I can't do it anymore. We're never playing it again. Understandable. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, all right, let's whip it with whipping. Not whip it. We already covered whip it. The only one time, one time only. So what do you got? Again, I thought whipping sounded good. Uh, I don't have a lot of notes for the show. If it wasn't something that really, really stood out to me, it 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 was a good performance, and I thought whipping was. It was. I, I mean, it, okay, it wasn't this showstopper because it's whipping, but yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't bad. I, I feel like it. It needs the rage that Eddie was feeling on this night, and it made it a perfect fit. That's yeah. I, I like it after Jeremy too, but. Again, with the construction, I'm going to, I don't know, I'm going to disagree with the next one coming up, where it is. Oh, really? Because we're going dis- to disagree then. This, this, so, it, this set is just so up and down, on, off, hot, cold. It's strange, man. It's strange. Okay. Why go Jeremy whipping and now immortality? It's Why just, not go immortality here? Because after, I don't know, dude, glorified daughter, state of love and trust, why go Jeremy whipping? immortality it's it's so just back and forth back and forth it's like they can't make up their mind but remember they don't have as much 
It's not as eclectic as as it is now. But you could you could arrange these any way you want. I mean, they still have 20 songs here. You could arrange them differently. I will say Immortality sounded amazing. It's one of my favorite songs. It does, yeah. I get your point, but again, I think I got lost in it because Immortality seemed so good in this set that um, it really didn't cool down at any point. There was no cool down anywhere. So this is considered a cool down, and it's kind of like a mid to late cool down, so I, I, I'm fine with it. I, I, it sounds sounds really good. It's super tight, and um, yeah, it's there's so much vitality at this show. It's, they basically cover the whole album. I think maybe if they had slipped Why Go after Jeremy, Jeremy Why Go whipping Immortality, I think that would work a little bit better for me. Jeremy Why Go whipping like I said, I really can't even get mad because it, it they're performed really well. So this is just me nitpicking that I'm not crazy about the construction. That's it. We need it's, and, and it's it's such a it's I feel like that's such a small. Well, I mean, it's not really a small complaint because that's basically half of our podcast. But this isn't terrible. It it's just a little little too back and forth for me. Okay, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah, I I don't. I didn't feel that way. I think I just kind of got lost in it, but you know, I can, I can see that way. All right. Here's my biggest problem with the set. And, uh, you and me both, my friend, you, and yeah, me both. maybe for the same reasons, maybe for different reasons, but, um, we're going to play it because I think it's, uh, you know, if we don't play it, then you don't understand where we're coming from. So I think that, 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 you know, let's back it up. Let's so to speak. So rear view mirror. <laughs> saying that it wouldn't be a great transition because i really do like immortality into rearview mirror i'd like how it sounds if it didn't sound like complete shit this one's really rough is eddie's guitar out of tune you know i don't i don't know if it's like a tuning thing or if it's just a just totally lazy or 
sloppy or something. For a show that sounded so tight yeah, up until this point, this was such a, it's such a disappointment because you don't hear bad versions of Rear View Mirror almost right. ever. Right. And, and, um, I had mentioned the, the, the whole middle part, the whole bridge part, uh, the solo part where it comes down, then Jeff comes back in with the bass part, him and Jack are off. They come back into it. It's not exciting when they come back into it. And it's, it's so bland that Eddie misses his cue. Right. For the saw things. part, And then when he finally goes up and does it, it's a, it's a complete train wreck. It's all over the place. It's, they're just, they're just not together on this one at all. Yeah. That bridge is just, it's a bridge with a really bumpy, bumpy track. And this, yeah, and this one was, was, yeah, this one was kind of bumpy. It, it, it's got, it, it feels like a little dream sequency. And uh, I appreciate their effort to try to do something different. It's just not clicking with me. No, no, not this one at all. I'm lost. It, it loses me. And, uh, you know, it, it doesn't sound like Rearview Mirror. It sounds like kind of like an Almond Brothers jam kind of deal. Like and, It sounded like they, they, almost like they don't know what they wanted to do with it yet. But it's not, it's not even that far off to sound like that. It sounds good enough to where it sounds like they've been doing it for a long time and they know what they're doing, but it's, it's bad enough to where it sounds like there's still things to be worked on. You know what I mean? It's, it's right. just a really strange, I think, I think they were just sloppy on it. I think it just wasn't the, the best performance of the night. No. And you know what? The band itself was having such a tight night that this is like losing a no hitter in the sixth inning. Yes. At this point. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say perfect game because the sets, you know, to your, you know, to your opinion, the set's not the most perfect set in the world. But um, well, it's like it's like last week where I said I, I really like every song. It's just uh, I need more of a of a wow moment. This is it seems a little safe. You know what? It's OK, though, because it, it doesn't really go downhill from here either. It's this no. is just a little bit of a hiccup, little speed bump. Yeah, and and it gets better. It it finds its way. Yeah, they they leave it in their rearview mirror, which is fine. But um, I, uh, we got a live coming up next, and they kind of screw up and stop in the beginning, and again they may make it sound like it wasn't an accident. So besides that, they turn it into a live, and it sounds fine. It sounded fine only because it wasn't energetic. It was what I call a very safe performance. All I wrote for this one was, of course, you know, not where we usually would see it in a set. I kind of like, I kind of like it. It worked better than I thought it was going to, but it is not how we know it today. No, not at all. There, there's no deep solo or anything like that. It's... No, no, I'm not even talking about the deep solo or the length. I'm talking about the performances. A little, it's very bland. I thought. I agree. It's just, it's just kind of. It's a track, basically. In the, yeah. In the, in the show. Yeah. Yeah, and fans are gonna like it anyway because if you're, you know, if you're a radio fan coming into the show, this is one of the few that you know. So it's. It sounded better than Rear Mirror, so. It did. It did. <laughs> but I really think they picked it up with Black. Uh yeah. Uh, so what did you think of Black? Um. I don't think it matters what black sounded like. I think that this is one of the best we belong togethers I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, that part was good, but I feel like it took them some working to get to it because 
This actually was rearview mirror alive in black. This was my set trifecta of laziness. I thought the beginning of black was very lazy. I thought Eddie was very, he was singing it very lazy. There was no, I wasn't feeling the emotion, but they come out of that mid song and he, he, they really bring it back together. Yeah. No, I, I, again, the, the, we belong together was really tight and it, it didn't, it had this like fast paced flow where everybody really felt like they were into it. And Mike sounded awesome on it. Um, Black isn't hit or miss, but when it hits, it makes a show. This is why I wasn't really thrilled with it when it starts here, because I, it, for me, it was headed towards a miss, but it, it picks up for sure. Yeah, it does. Um, yeah, the We Belong Together just sounds great. Uh, I don't know if you want to play it or not. We can. Uh, we have the time. We have the wine. You want to do it? Yeah. All right. This is pretty formulaic for the time. I think this is to hear, you know, instead of in the encore, to hear like late first set, to hear a live black blood porch all back to back to back to back, kind of like that. Um, I think that, you know, to hear it nowadays, you're kind of, you're, you would be like, whoa, what's going on? This is really cool. It's really crazy. But this is pretty uh, par for the course for the time. Um, not changing up way too much. And, you know, you have to think that Blood is just one of these live songs back then that's just getting so much attention and it's so much fun to listen to live. And, and, and it's, of course, at this time, it's kind of turned into, you know, when we play it, we play it, and you'll love it when we play it. But they're doing it every night at this point. So Yeah, it sounded good. There was a couple little weird spots, but... I think that was more just performance and getting into it. It's an it's intense. It's pretty it's pretty clean and tight for the most part. It's just a rocking song. Can we listen to how intense it gets in in the end, like around the, I guess the last part where he's screaming, "It's my blood." Yeah. Yeah. Let Let's do that. I want to just show, just really how crazy the ending gets because it, it just goes into madness. Turn into one of my enemies. It's my blood. It's my blood. 
that gets insane right there. I mean, like that's that's why they did it so much. Yeah, the crowd's going nuts, and I wrote down in my notes. This is where I this I jumped ahead before, but this is where I noticed that Mike and and Stone were in reverse roles this time. Stone is he's standing on on the front of the stage. He's got his leg up on monitors, and Mike is just kind of wandering in the back by his amps. It was like San Jose Stone, but <laughs> but it was Mike this time. You never know. Like it, there's so many shows on tour that you, sometimes you just can't have that energy transferred over from one to another like mike especially you know what what mike was going through at this time it just you know well yeah you know this time period and shows like this it shows us how mike has grown into the mike we know and love today yes yes very outgoing on stage and off you know he's he's all over the place he's doing projects and charities and all that stuff and it's probably the most outgoing in the band right now. Yeah, you yeah, you just gotta you gotta look back at the history and you know, see where they came from basically. Porch ends the first set and we are back to happy, 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 joy, joy here. Fast, 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 I says. Back to the good porch, you know, nice solo in the in the middle there, not too long, not too short. Great ender. Yeah. Um, you know, they're jam on porch feels the exact same structure nowadays. I think they were doing something different almost every time with Porch back then for that. Yeah, they were probably just jamming with it. It sounds better. I, I, I like that. Just Oh, just, yeah, it sounds yeah, it sounds better for sure. Don't stick to a formula with something like this. It feels maybe that's why Porch is just such a bland, boring live song now because it, it just, you know the formula know what's coming and it's kind of like yeah dude it's it's not every song has to have something changed to make it interesting because sometimes it's not interesting at all uh that porch intro i'm sorry it's not interesting no it's not fun it's weird (laughs) this one was great if anybody from el bando is listening you know that's one of the many many things that we say like you know, from listening to this error, we have to go back to, we have to go back to just, what the fuck is this world? Just, and you know what? Um, we might be in the minority. People might love that. We're the, we're the 1%. We're the, you know, we're the one per, per porch cent. <laughs> uh, that's going to finish your first set though. Um, that's going to finish your old uh, first set there. Yeah. Yeah. 10, four there. Good buddy. Your first set is done. You're now you're now free to to go backstage and have a cigarette. They go back on. I might have my timeline screwed up on the on this a little bit. My tracks were a little off, but uh, if I'm right, it seems like they go out and Ed says it's too bad they couldn't open the roof because there's a full moon. Uh, and he asks everybody listening on the radio to go go out to their cars and go to the window because good things happen on a full moon. And then he mentions that he's wearing a shirt that has NW on it. And he goes through all the different type of things that NW can stand for Northwest and no war and, and blah, blah, blah. And he says NWA, which I won't repeat what NWA stands for. If you don't know, Google it ch- children. Um, and he says all these different things. And then then he says something along the lines of how security guards were horrible at the night before, saying that 
beating up kids is our usual policy and that they're the best security in the country. And after that show, Ed fired them. And they got total new security for, for this show. Same same venue uh, for this show. And uh, they apparently things were better. Yeah. Um, I I guess. He, <laughs> he, I'm just... Uh, he, dude. Th- okay, so this is another funny thing. Like going back and listening to these older shows. Just these absolute rambles. And he goes on forever. And you're coming out for an encore. Bad time, man. Bad time. Don't you're, you're killing the mood. And you're killing the momentum here. Especially with the song that we get. Uh, I was I was like... <laughs> I was just so absolutely bored. And taken out of the moment at this point. Yeah, he goes on with too many things that NW could stand for. It's just... Uh, it's just a it's just a you know you know he's gonna ramble he always rambles but it's just a bad point it's just a bad spot to do it in man it's encore time and you're leading off with uh with go and but you ramble and it's it's a total total downer yeah but you know what he's not talking a lot at this time anyway so it's okay it's okay if you're gonna hear if you're gonna hear it once or twice a second that's my point. He's not talking a lot at this time. So when he does, he picks the worst possible time to do it. I suppose. But doesn't he always talk before the encore? Not when you're coming out and you're doing go. Uh, you, you need to. Keep yeah. All right. That's I think a very good I point. I think it's just a little, little bit of a downer for me. That's a good point. Yeah. Go to start an encore is awesome because you don't see that nowadays. That oh, they're going to start an encore with something electric to get you back in it basically you know i'll go back to the back in my pro jam day guy but um the the cool down was the two to three minute break instead of the uh let's hear just breathe and uh thumbing my way and you know future days so which, which isn't terrible only because they do longer it's not terrible now. at all i love i love that part of the set it's my most anticipated part not not terrible. I mean, uh, it's understandable because of the the lengths of their sets, and and there, there's also you got to get you got to get those into the set somewhere too. Uh, but here and go here, which is is very good. It's another one where where Jack has his groove on too. Uh, I wasn't thrilled with Jack's performance of it the last time we covered it compared to the first time we covered Dave A's performance of it, which I loved. But Jack has his groove on this one too. I thought he played it really well. But it also made me really appreciate it when they hit you with it, like mid first set after a cool down. So, opening up with an encore with it is also really badass. But there are parts of this encore that I don't care for. So, if, for me, it doesn't really fit. Even Flow is the second song in the encore, which you don't hear nowadays. And I like what they do in the beginning. You don't like what they do in the beginning. So, we're going to play it and argue it. Let's do it.
thought it was catchy, but you thought it was like I thought it sounded like a something a cover band would do in a bar, trying to be clever, trying to be cool. It's yeah, not but wouldn't, cool. Wouldn't your band do something like that? No, we would not. Because this sounded like poop, and we don't sound like poop. I just didn't get it. It didn't serve any purpose. It was almost like they spoiled it. You know, it, it it didn't work as an intro. It didn't work as a teaser. It didn't work as a lead up because Evenflow doesn't need it. You know, you, you go right into Evenflow, you get the crowd pumped. This was like letting the air out of the tires. Mm. I see what you're saying. I um, gave it a shot, though. I, I rewound that like <laughs> I listened to that like 15 times. I'm like, let me let me try it again. Let me try it again. But every time I, know, I heard it, it it's I, different. I, I like when they do different stuff, especially on songs that they never do different song stuff on. This, I don't. Uh, that's fine. Even Flo doesn't need it. I guess not. But hearing uh, hearing it in the encore is kind of cool, though. That was definitely cool. Although I did not like. I don't like Even Flo in the encore as much as I liked Alive in the main set. So you like Alive in a non closer form more than you like Even Flo in a encore form i think like but that's when you're i think now nowadays we want what's unpredictable but back then they wanted i think it's kind of like your smells like teen spirit thing with oh yeah you gotta yeah no i mean i think even flow uh belongs here for this show in this time because it's play the hit play the hit in the in the encore yeah so i i totally understand it but um, yeah, I, I like it better in the main set. But I I do I do like a live. I like the switch up with the live in the show. Yeah, and I think that's again a common thing that they did back then. I think a live was more of a uh, you know a precursor to the closer instead of the closer, which we see now. And um, you know, again, we cover these shows because we like to you know we're more familiar with the with what they're doing in current age and what they've stuck with and kind of uh you know now that they're old they don't want to go into uh toying with too many different things so you know you're gonna hear even flow mid-set you're gonna hear a live close be the bread and butter near near the end of the second encore and and listening to these it's just it's good to know where their roots started from and where they came from from it and you know that's why we do this so uh mike takes over the stage and and you know you said he was not not energetic but you would never guess it it's kind of like um you're the old thing about the election uh in, in i guess it was the 62 or 61 election that was uh kennedy and uh richard nixon and they all said if you watched on tv that Kennedy won the election because his posture was standing up straight and he was, you know, very, uh, you know, prompt with his answers. But if you listen to it on the radio, uh, everybody said that Nick, well, what did I say election? I said one of the, the, the debate. Uh, and if you heard on the radio that Nixon won the debate because all you heard from Kennedy was, uh, I think America is uh, good and you, you know what I'm saying? 
Does it make sense? I, I, I can't believe that I do know what you're saying. Yes, it does make sense. So everybody thought Nixon won, won that debate because, you know, he, whatever his, his voice and dialect was, and people were more attested to that. But if you watched him on television, he was hunched over, he was sweating, he was, you know, trying, not looking in, in the camera, which is a weird thing that some politicians do. I, I, I won't say what kind of politicians, but some politicians do do that. So, uh, disappointing, but not the case. But but like you said, Mike was, uh, the sound that comes out of Mike in this makes it sound like he's the most energetic rock star in the world, but you said he was just kind of hanging yeah, out. His, his, uh, his playing all night is, is uh, top notch. Uh, but he's he's just a little sad looking on this night. Poor guy. Yeah. He'll fi- he'll figure it out. He'll figure it out at some he point. A Co- couple years it. later. Yeah. You know. So, all right. But yeah, they're they're killing it at this point. Um, and then Ed wishes his wife, who is now his ex-wife, Beth. A happy 129 month anniversary. Which, if you're doing the math, I'm not. Get it? <laughs> I have no idea how long that is. It can't be anything. I mean, 129. Wouldn't it be an even number if it was some uh, a yearly anniversary? <laughs> He's probably screwing around. I don't know when they got <laughs> married. Um, but however, I. Uh, I'll just say before I go on to the next point, um, he sings a line from a famous New Zealand song for her, which I believe was another split end song, like the one that we talked about uh, after the daughter tag, but it was, you know, kind of nothing-ish just for her. Yeah, so anyway, he plays Better Man after this, and uh, um, they have it figured out at this point. Um, This is a better version than the one from San Jose. I think it was more, had that epic sound to it um but we do not hear the almighty stone gossard backup vocals and that's a little disappointing i wrote that down uh i wasn't sure if it was pre-stone backup i don't know if it was if stone had bleached his brain along with his hair but we do not get it and stone sang a lot this night he had a lot of a lot of his uh, uh parts were featured in in this set list so and then of course Better Man comes up and he doesn't he doesn't say a word. Oh well. They do a little improv here, which is a weird spot in the set for it, but I want to play it anyway cuz I think we're both going to have some uh, opinions have on to? it. Yeah, cuz uh, it's different. It is it's oh, well, different is a lot nicer word than I was going to say, but all right, let's play it. All right.
right, trash it. Go ahead. I, I mean, come on. This is this is horrible. This is terrible. I didn't think it sounds it was like too bad. absolute shit. I didn't it's think just, it was too bad. It's just boom, 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 boom. But it's Five Horizons had it listed as something. What did it say? It said worlds. Words seem words out of place. seem out of place. Yeah. His words seem out of everything is out of place. It's terrible. Yeah. And it is the worst spot. Go even flow better man. And then you're gonna do an improv before the next two. And not only that, this is before indifference, which is also weird. Indifference, I think, is fine if you hadn't done this improv here. Get get rid of the improv. Not only that, but I mentioned coming back to this before, they're talking about like do we have time? Are we going to get cut on time? Do yeah, time right. For another song, blah, 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 blah. Yet, this 24, 25, 26, the last three songs of this set, they waste so much fucking time talking and, and standing around and figuring out what they're going to do, yet they keep saying they don't think they have enough time. It's this is, this is one of the worst endings to a show with some of the best performances. It's really weird. It's like a double-edged sword. Yeah. They, they play everything really well, except for the improv, but it's so drawn out and, and long. and Right. Right. It ain't good. It ain't good. Um, I'm not a fan of it. Uh, just the ending part. Um, I feel like you, you've been strong the whole, the whole show. Why go from a weird improv that, that everybody's kind of confused to, to indifference, and then into rocking to close it. Why, why not go with what you know? Why, why not do rocking after this? And then, and then just close with indifference. I, I feel, I feel like that, that, that's just sort of a bummer before finally ending the set. I, I feel like it needs like one or two more songs. Oh, it definitely needs one or two more songs, but with the way it is now, I have no problem with that. You got to get rid of that improv, and you got to cut the shit that's going on in between songs. You keep it going here. If you, if you're short on time, if this is the set you want, improv's got to go and do indifferent rocking. Don't waste time. Yeah, I suppose so. I, I I don't know. I I I just think it's weird that indifference comes before rocking because we see so often that indifference is just like. The closures. And this is a depressing indifference. It's not like a sing sing along, you know? It's on the darker side, I would say for sure, but could they have done Rockin' in the Free World last because of the special guest? Did they want to not mess up the flow of Jack who's already on stage? It could it could have been that. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe they just thought, hey, it's this is the easiest way to do it. You're thinking more technical than I am. Yeah, more technical. It's cause they're not bringing on musicians like they do all the time throughout the sets now um maybe back then they were just like hey let's just do this last because um spoiler alert mr dave Grohl comes on and plays rocking in the free world hey. maybe they just thought hey save it for the end he could come on jack could come off logistically it, it works better okay uh, and rocking in the free world sounds fucking incredible here it does and we're gonna play it yeah, um, I I think it's not just because of Dave Grohl, just because it does sound sounds awesome. really good. Yeah, it's it's the improv that really brought me down in this. All right, so play rocking. Oh yeah, play rocking.
so besides just rocking just being so cool here and just being so different, um, Dave Grohl at this time is kind of uh, he's kind of like a, a fish uh, with no water here. He, he, he doesn't have the Foo Fighters yet. This is really an in-between time for him. He doesn't have the Foo Fighters yet. And he's at, you know, almost a year since since Kurt's died. So if anything, he's writing and recording all the Foo Fighters stuff by himself. I'm sh- which... Yeah, I'm sure that's partially done. I believe the album, their first album came out in either June or July of that year. So it it, it was on the way. It was basically just Dave Grohl. So I'm, I'm assuming he probably had a lot of that stuff in place at the time it just wasn't out yet do you like the first Foo Fighters album yeah I gotta be in the mood for it yeah I, I feel like I do too um the deep cuts I, I I like whatever became a single off of it but the deep cuts were just kind of I don't know man uh, you know yeah the, it, like yeah. deep cuts off of color and shape are great deep cuts off of uh uh wasting light are awesome but this is just, uh, and it's been a while since I've listened to it, so I, I think it's just him starting to figure out that he's a front man now. You got this as a call, and then, and then a, a lot of fillers, I guess, uh, trying me. to find his way as a Foo Fighter. But big me, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, all right. Well, anything else I'm rocking for? No, it sounded good. Yeah, that's same here. This was real. Quick and to the point, because we've done a lot of shows from this era in the last couple weeks. We've kind of, we jumped, last week we jumped to 2011, but, um, you know, I, I, just a lot of these songs were talked about a lot, and besides sets, a little set construction, a little performance-wise, we, we've we covered a lot of this recently, so we didn't want to spend too much time diving into other BS. So, uh, why don't we rank it? Rate it, rank it, rate it, rank it, rank it. Rate sure. It. What do you got? This was a easy seven for me. It's nothing spectacular, but it's not bad at all. Uh, some set construction problems I had, but the songs were all played really well. Little things like a sloppy rearview mirror really doesn't ruin the show for me. Uh, stupid things like talking too much and spending too much time on improvs in an encore is that's what really knocks knocks down a rating for me. I thought that was just terrible. So, seven. I'll give it a seven and a half. Um, I loved how tight the band was for the most show, uh, most part of the show. It probably would have gotten an eight had Weary Mirror sounded anything like a song. Um, yep. That was a real, real problem for me in this set. Um I don't know. I thought I liked the improv at first, but you kind of kicked me out of that habit. And, you know, just the whole ending was a little strange up until Dave. And, you know, it's a solid show. And I can understand that that this is one of the most popular bootlegs out there of all time. Uh, And one of the most popular Australian shows of all time. They did probably like 10 to 12 shows in Australia uh, during this run. And, all very popular so you know we got we got to start like really doing a perfect game meter to see like you know when the perfect game is broken up because i don't know if they've had a 
I'm sure they've had a perfect game before. And I'm sure we'll get to it. We'll get to it at some point. Yeah. Um, but if they've done a perfect game, just let us know. Uh, yeah. We didn't hear a lot from a lot of people this week uh, just because of the holiday. And, you know, this is this is one from a long time ago in Australia. And I guess the time the, the time frame, you know, the. The hours, if, if I were to post this at like six or seven o'clock at night, then maybe Australian fans wouldn't see it. But um, I told you, man, I was I was surprised. I thought we were going to get uh, a good turnout uh, yeah. for, for write-ins for this one. I was a little surprised. I think next week we're going to get a really good turnout. I think next week and I think the week after for sure we're going to get a lot. But um, we did hear from the one the one person, our Australian friend, who did uh get in touch with us and he was kind of like hey can you do an australian show at some point and i'm like yeah you know what let's do it sooner rather than later since we have an open spot uh he wrote to us and he went to one of the sydney shows he didn't go to this show so i asked him i just want to wanted to know what the time period was like uh to be a pearl jam fan in australia knowing that this was the first time that they were going to their hometown so this is what steven had to say so it was like Beatlemania, the only concert I've been to where everyone, absolutely everyone, was on their feet for the whole show, from the rail to the nosebleeds, the crowd noise at the beginning and the end of each track was overwhelming. The show did they did at Eastern Creek saw approximately 40,000 people attend. I missed that one, but from all accounts, it was crazy. There's some cool references, and uh, he gives me the porch page that discuss it, discusses it. Uh, it says, in the lead-up, I remember that the TV was awash with Pearl Jam tour adverts. Every single break, animal blasting throughout Australian living rooms. And animal, I believe, was a huge hit in Australia, if I'm not mistaken. I think that was like their biggest song down there. So it, it's just it's interesting, you know, the dynamic between what the American audience and radio stations play compared to what the uh, the foreign uh, and I say foreign because it's foreign to us, but like the international radio stations play. I believe there was a New Zealand station that does like a top hundred rock songs of all time. And uh, every year they do it and they kind of change it up every year. There's usually, you know, a couple songs kind of, you know, mis- misplaced, but it's, I guess it's like 90s, 2000s. It's kind of like the alternative era. And uh, somebody was following along on one of the Pearl Jam uh, Facebook groups, and they said that Black was number two, which I thought was interesting because if any song was number, it was uh, up there for Pearl Jam, that would be number two. It would be like uh, Better Man or Alive or something, or even Flow, but it was Black, which I thought was really cool. Do you know what number one on their list was as like the best rock song from that time period? It was Chop Suey. Oh, that is interesting. Right? I don't... <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, I, I mean, it's a popular I... song down there. Though. Like, that's what I'm yeah, saying. Like, okay. yeah. Yeah, it was, it was popular in the States, and it was, you know, I don't think it was number one on the charts, but... it's n- And it's not going to get... If, if you make a, a list of songs from that time, it, Chop Suey might make it in, what, top 30, maybe? In the yeah. States. I mean, it was yeah, big. Maybe. It, was, it was good, but 
not number one. That's really interesting. Yeah, right? It's just It goes to show you like what other areas of this world attract themselves to more when it comes to rock music. Why don't we get to our public service announcement? Live on Four Legs is happy to present a weekly podcast dedicated to the Pearl Jam Live experience. While we try to get ourselves to as many shows as possible, we have only attended a small fraction compared to the entire live history. That's why we need your help. We want to get to know who you are. If there's a live show that you've attended that you'd like to see us cover in our program, please send us an email at liveonfourlegs, that's the number four, liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com. We want to know your entire live experience. Did you once miss a flight? Get lucky in the 10 Club Lottery? Catch a white whale? Your stories will help us mold this into the best podcast it could possibly be. You're already getting to know who we are. Now it's time for us to know who you are okay uh almost done but we have to do the pick a fan and we've heard only from one pick a fan so far we're still waiting for watertown south dakota we're still waiting for ratzenberg germany we're getting backed up here yeah come on guys we know you're listening we know you're listening in just 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 email us. Just, just we can do literally it. see it right in front of our faces that you are listening. Just say hello, please. Just say hello. All right. Do 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 do. I'm going to our stats. How about Barrow UK? It doesn't say. It doesn't say. Eng- I'm going to guess it's England, but it says Barrow United Kingdom. I'm okay with the UK. Yeah. Sure. There's a couple. There's a London. There's Walton. There's one. This would have been a good one if I landed on it. Success Australia. Uh. That would have been really good today. And hell, if I if 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 I just said one of those places, just just do it anyway. Just, just <laughs> you won. You won uh, a live on four legs. Hello. You know now you get to say hello to us or something along those lines. Anyway, uh, let's talk about next week and what we got next week going for him. Sure. Uh, Vic Theater 2007. It was a private uh, show, so to speak. 1,000 fans in attendance, uh, a vault show, and it is songs that you probably didn't hear very much uh, beforehand, and you're probably not going to hear them very much since. So... We decided it was a really good show to have a special guest on that understand, he understands very much the statistics that go into the show and what makes it so rare and so popular. And that is Dave Jantausch from livefootsteps.org. And if you're not on livefootsteps.org, you got to sign up, you got to get into it. You can go in, you can track all of your shows uh, and see the numbers see see your numbers and how many times you've seen something where and how you know it's a lot of the stuff that we do on this show we we go on live footsteps and and we make sure that our our numbers are right and our accounting's right for it because uh, it's it's such a huge help it, it takes everything from their catalog and uh you guys could go on and you could fact check us too when we screw up this is very true too and <laughs> We're on, we're only on episode 13, but 
I said I won't do this until episode 20. I'm going to, at episode 20, I'm going to make our own Live on Four Legs Live Footsteps page. Perfect. And then everybody be able to see how we're doing and we'll be able, but I don't want it to become one of those things where we're just like, hey, we haven't covered this song from Binaural yet. Let's find a show with this song. We're not, let's not try to create our own stats here. But I will, what I will say though, is that um, as we go for, we go into early 2019, we are looking for binaural and Riot Act shows to start covering. So if you do have any ideas for those in mind that you'd like to hear, please reach out to us. Um, you know, there are obvious ones like the Jones Beach shows and the Mansfield shows and the, uh, the state college shows that, that are obvious. We give us some not so obvious, but some like real, you know, diamonds in the rough there that you'd like to hear. And uh, we'll get in on the show because we want to get everything in as possible. So let's kind of it that's it for today and uh again if you uh we're still going to do this toy drive pretty soon we'll probably next week we'll give a date as to where we're going to do our live video uh from us at target and if you still want to donate do it on patreon uh just send us a couple dollars and we will put it towards the toy drive and uh make a couple kids happy that's the name of the game here that's the name of the game so anything else you got for today no, nice, quick, easy show. Uh, so. It was a, it was a pretty good listen, and uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I was loopy throughout the first. I, I finally perked up a little bit now, but about the first like hour or so, I was just like almost falling asleep because I was just tired not, not from talking, <laughs> but just from thinking. Uh, yeah, thinking's hard. We'll do some clever editing. Anyway, it's the end. We're here, but not for much longer. And I'll miss you already. I miss you always. I miss you all day. Thanks for tuning in to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience. Again, we're going to be in next week for Vic Theater 2007, the Vault Show. And it's going to be really good. A lot of rare stuff. If you love rare stuff, you're going to love this show, even though this one was called Rarified Live. Go figure, right? Yeah, right. But um thanks for tuning in and we shall see you next week bye